Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. You heard the man. It's time for LAX Class once again as we grow the game one podcast at a time here at Lacrosse All-Stars. It's Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. Once again, Jake Elliott, Evan Scheminar with you. I am in Port Coquitlam staring at my unfinished, decorated, undecorated, I guess I could say, Christmas tree. Evan Scheminar in Saskatchewan. And Evan, big show on deck this week. The head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks, Kurt Miloski, will join us. And Philly Wings forward, Kyle Matisse, on the big program this week. All set up to be a good one. Lax Classified brought to you by Extreme Threads, Pure Vita Labs, and Associated Labels and Packaging. Evan, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, I know you had a chance. Let's get right into it. You had a chance to make your way to Sastel Center for the exhibition game between the Roughnecks and the Rush a couple of days ago. Uh, it's game week finally in the National Lacrosse League. We're about to play it for real, but let's get back to Saturday night in Saskatchewan. Um, what were some takeaways for you in that lacrosse game? An absolute dominant performance by the Rush. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Kurt's uh, take is on the game because uh, the Roughnecks were really rough on the back end with the uh, the penalties, the discipline. Rush went to the power play eight times and scored seven of them. And to think about it, both teams had their full uh, complement there on the penalty kill and the power play with the exception of Robert Church, who is still a holdout here in Saskatchewan, so Marty Dinsdale was taking his place on that. But for Mark Matthews to be as wide open on the top point as he could be, and once they started to try and lock him, uh, Ryan Keenan being wide open, it was absolutely stunning to see this power play back at it uh, the way they were last year. Christian Del Bianco had an off night, but it's probably have a good to have an off night on an exhibition game. Uh, you know, he had some pretty big mistakes. Uh, an errant pass carried off the boards. He missed it straight to an open Connor Robinson into an empty net. And then there was a really weird one where Calgary took a shot right at the end of the second half. Karen's off a Saskatchewan leg, rolls down to Del Bianco, and he tries to shovel it down to the far end just as the, clock, the shot clock's expiring. Hits uh, Chris Corbeil square in the stick, and Corbeil has an empty net to put it into. You don't normally see that out of Del Bianco, but it's an exhibition game. Good to get that out of the system now. The other thing that was uh, something else to watch was Reese Dutch, and he was just absolutely on target. You could tell he was playing with a chip on his shoulder, and he was just absolutely dominant. He got five goals in the game. Uh, you know, without Dixon, without Berg in the lineup, definitely not easy, but... You know, Reese Dutch is going to play a prominent role in that team, you can tell for certain. Yeah, I I don't want to read too much into an exhibition scoreline, but uh, I think it was a pretty – I had a chance to listen 
uh, to a portion of the game on the bull with uh, Dave Thomas and, and Fetchy, Tanner Fetch uh, on 92.9, the bull there in Saskatchewan. So that was kind of neat as uh, we didn't get a chance to, to watch any exhibition lacrosse, at least I didn't. So uh, it was good to actually get to listen to some. Some other scores, and, and we'll dive deeper into that Calgary-Saskatchewan exhibition game uh, with the head coach, Kurt Malowski, coming up in about half an hour's time. But some other scores from some other exhibition games. 9-7 New England over Colorado. Toronto had a 13-11 victory over uh, Colorado. So the Mammoth go 0-2. They made their final cuts. A couple of rookies making that team. Surprising to me, Dennis uh, Denny Armstrong getting, Denon Armstrong, I should say, getting released there from Colorado. I really thought uh, with his head coach being Pat Coyle in his junior days uh, in Coquitlam and being the head coach there in Colorado that they really would have allocated a, a practice roster spot there for Denon Armstrong, give him a year to kind of learn and, and get his feet wet and then move into a full-time roster spot next year. But Denon Armstrong now available. Um, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to read too much into to preseason scores because I, I think they're they're exactly that. It's preseason. Guys are finding their roles, and goalies are still pretty raw and, and getting back into the groove. Uh, news coming down. Tyler Carlson has just been released from Saskatchewan. A couple of rookies out of Georgia in Joel Tinning and Brendan Bomberry cracked that roster. A couple of guys on the practice roster as well. Still no Kevin Crowley in New England as he continues to be a holdout, and as does Curtis Dixon in Westburg. We'll talk to Coach Malowski about that. Um... Derek Sutton's getting uh, a lot of run from from New England fans. Uh, pretty disappointed that he's been let go. Um, what else? What else can we take away from this exhibition season? Maybe the most impressive thing I've seen so far, Evan. I don't know if you got a chance to peep this or not, but Aaron Sorichetti had the reverse backhand the around the world, if you will, in that inner squad matchup uh, down in San Diego. What a thing of beauty that was. And perfect timing for him too, because you got a whole you had what five thousand people, which was a extremely good sign in San Diego to watch an inter squad game. But yeah, yeah, you want to give those you want to give those fans some excitement. That's exactly how you do it. Adrian Sorichetti was a fabulous guy to sell the game here in Saskatchewan, and he's doing the same in San Diego. And to be honest, Dane Doby opening goal for Calgary pulled off one almost as beautiful as well. So it was. Uh, a few highlights to watch this weekend. Matt Rambo cracking the Philadelphia Wings roster. We'll talk to the most Kyle Matisse about uh, what it'll be like to play with Matt Rambo. You got Trevor Baptiste on that roster as well, and of course uh, the the second overall pick and Chris Cluche. Little surprising to me and to you, I think, Evan, that the Philadelphia Wings are going to go with a real kind of inexperienced goaltending team and, and David Deruccio and Buck in there. Um, that's going to be a little concerning for for GM and head coach Paul Day going into a season with two goaltenders. The fish, she's got some experience with Buffalo, but not a huge sample size. But what's probably more concerning to me than anything is the fact that they've gone with just five offensive players, and on top of that, just two left-handers listed on that roster. Actually, six, but um, yeah, it's, it was only two lefties. You're looking at this um, this roster that was just released literally ten minutes before we went on went into recording, and you you have to think that Trevor Baptiste, who we anticipate was going to be a Fogo, may now actually be playing up front because you know with only two lefties, you got to have some kind of uh, balance there to give some guys rest. Other than that, they're going to be looking to pick a few guys up. I wouldn't be surprised if. 
uh, Carlson ends up going into Philly just to give them some more experience there. Um, it was tough talking with him on Saturday night once he got the news that uh, he had been cutting a really good guy here in Saskatchewan, a really good dressing room and bench guy. You've never seen a guy give more encouragement to his team ever. Yeah, and I had a chance to spend a little time with TC in, in Minnesota uh, when we were both there with the Swarm, and uh, he's you're right. He's just a guy that his teammates love, and, and he's really got a knack as a second string or a backup goaltender, if you will, that he's one of those guys. Some guys struggle in net if they don't get the start right from the get-go, where Tyler Carlson almost seems to thrive off of coming off the bench mid-game to kind of change the momentum in a – in the middle of a lacrosse game, like he, that's a hard trait to kind of acquire. And if you don't have it, I'm not sure you can ever get it. But Tyler Carlson, when he comes off the bench, it's almost like he's he he thrives off of that, and and that's that's a big attribute to have as a goaltender. And a few other rosters coming in. Buffalo came in. Not a whole lot of surprises. Uh, Mark Stainhouse and Johnny Harnett, unfortunately, are on the IR, so uh, their future is still a bit in limbo. Uh, but Alex Keto Smith, not uh, he was cut uh, by the Bandits. So Keto Hill, Keto Hill. Okay, let's should we do that again. Uh, no, we now we both have All one right. mistake so far in the show. So let's continue on. It's okay. My God. Okay, one bad mistake in the start of the year. Okay. <laughs> Alex Keto Hill, yeah, who took what he didn't yeah. even play one single shift last year for the Bandits, and. He's a guy that's really got a flair for the dramatic, and he's a pretty flamboyant player. And he can be suspect on defense. Like, he can get turnstile a little bit on defense, but he kind of makes up for that in his loose balls and his flair up front. He's really one of the best transition guys in the National Lacrosse League over the last handful of years. Didn't play a shift for the Bandits last year. I don't know if he's fallen out of shape or maybe they just want to go in a different direction, but I can't think that Alex Keto Hill is going to be out of work for very long. And Saskatchewan, we still got a major holdout situation as well with um, uh, Robert Church uh, still holding out. Uh, we got a situation there with him being qualified, so it's a minimal raise, but they can still work back and forth on a contract. Hopefully that doesn't last too long. Uh, the Rush have been trying to put Jeremy Thompson out there during the exhibition game. It wasn't working too well, so I wouldn't be surprised if that holdout happens that they go to a three-lefty set on that one. Also, Mike Messenger and Nick Village still uh, uh, holding out. So they really didn't actually cut much of anything uh, this week. Uh, they'll have to cut as they continue to move on. And we got uh, the answer as to who's going to fill those defensive holes. We do have uh, Jordy Jones-Smith, who played with Keenan in Brooklyn this summer. Uh, is going to fill one of them. Uh, Matt McGrady, who was a roster player last year, is filling one. Uh, Nick Finley, who is an uh, up-and-coming sophomore this year. He got a few games in on the practice roster last year. He'll take one spot. And, of course, the trade to get Travis Cornwall. A uh, little surprised that they paid a second-rounder to get him, mm -hmm. but... Um, they needed a 21st man on the roster, and that's how they managed to fill it. Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, second rounder, I think, is is a little bit steep for Travis Cornwall, and no disrespect to TC. I, I really think he's got the ability, and Saskatchewan's got the ability to, to make something out of Travis Cornwall, who's gone from Calgary as they tried to kind of play him up front, and then that didn't really work out, so they played out of the back, and it didn't really work in Vancouver. He was kind of injured, and 
wasn't getting a regular shift a whole lot, and then, you know, kind of found his way, got in the roster, was playing some good lacrosse, and then the season kind of came to an end. And with Vancouver and the amount of turnover that they've had, they've kind of gone in a different direction from a lot of players. And I think getting a second-round pick for Travis Cornwall was a good move for Vancouver, but I also think it's good for Saskatchewan because now they can get their hands on Travis Cornwall. Jeff Cornwall, not there. He's taken the year off to become a firefighter. So they can get a hold of Travis Cornwall here, who is in phenomenal shape. He's a great athlete. He's got good hands. He's very smart. But they can kind of put the reins on him here a little bit and say, listen, Travis, look at what we've done here over the last four or five years. We've won three championships. We're coming off a title. It's time to kind of buy into our system and the way that we want to do things here in Saskatchewan. And I think if Travis buys into that, he can turn himself into a very, very good player and, and learning in a system led by Derek Keenan. And add to that, that there's some guys on that rush roster that if, if Travis Cornwell doesn't kind of want to fall in line with the rest of them, they'll they'll let him hear about it, where I don't think that quite had the culture or the environment in Vancouver for that to happen. So, yeah, maybe a second rounder, a little bit steep. I think they could have probably got him out of there for a third, but uh, give Vancouver some credit for getting a second for it. But as you said, Saskatchewan goes out, they fill a need because they're a little short on bodies with these holdouts, and now maybe this puts a little pressure on Nick Bielich to say, well, should I continue to hold out here? Now they've made a trade, kind of gone out and, and got a guy that's probably on equal caliber as what he is as a player. Uh, that might put a little pressure on Nick Billich to, to get in camp and sign a little sooner than maybe he was prepared to. And actually, just as we speak, the Rush released their roster here. Um, Zach Gould, the uh, product of the Saskatchewan SWAT, uh, who actually scored a goal late in the game, and the crowd absolutely went crazy over it, makes the practice roster. Um, Ryan McLean from Calgary and Tyler Galton make the active roster on defense, as does Mason Penn. Yeah. So um, now, of course, this will change as those holdouts sign in, and the Rush have three open practice roster spots. But for the moment, there's only two goaltenders on the squad in Kirk and Shute. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, if if somebody gets picked up there. I saw uh, Peter Dubinsky released out of San Diego, along with uh, Adam Will, Tyson Rowe, uh, Joey Walters uh, released there from San Diego. So some guys with NLL experience uh, available out of San Diego's camp. And that's going to be good news for the Seals to feel confident enough to let guys go that have NLL experience in favor of a few other guys. Uh, once team we haven't really talked about a lot is Vancouver and and they let uh, one of their regulars from last year go and Evan Messenger a, a left-handed offensive guy that's uh, got a lot of upside he's a, a heck of an athlete but I really think Evan Messenger probably a guy that's going to end up in a transition role if he's going to stay in the National Lacrosse League as a regular what do you think yeah uh, and you know we're just going real time here I'm getting flashes as we're going along San Diego just releasing their roster, too. Um, a few surprises in that uh, a guy like Johnny Pearson makes the cut. Uh, Connor Kiernan is in. Connor Kelly. Uh, their young draft picks have all made it. Uh, of course, you got your Garrett Mack, Tosh, your Cam Holing, Brody Merrill, Tor Reinhold. Uh, Garrett Billings on that roster, Evan? Yes, he is. Okay. And a Sort, um, let me just double check that. No, he is not. Okay. He has not made that roster. 
Um, so this is good but, stuff here, fans. We are literally getting rosters released as we are recording Lacrosse Classified right here. So bear with us as <laughs> as we scan and get updated yeah. as we move along. It's it's the Garrett deadline going, is coming past, but uh, we're recording and we're getting information as we're recording here. Garrett Billings has been put on the inactive roster. Okay. So, um, but Joe Walters was cut, uh, which was a bit of a surprise to some. So. Uh, you know, what just yeah, goes Connor to Kelly. show you, Evan, you know, like Joey Walters, heck of a player. I mean, and, and has won three championships in Rochester, but taking that two years off or whatever it was off the National Lacrosse League, not playing lacrosse indoors, obviously cost him going into San Diego's camp. It just not something you can pick up and just become a professional indoor lacrosse player after taking a couple of years off. It, it's that that's a big gap to go without. And it's obviously affected JoJo's game. And that was the one thing that the Seals had to their advantage was they, you know, in signing 50 players, you have that ability to look at a whole bunch of guys that maybe they're on a flyer that you're going to take them. And they did manage to take a few flyers. And by the same token, their theme has been to go young with a lot of their players. You know, Brody Merrill, Dan Dawson being the vets there, but most of their guys are very young. And they continue to go that direction with the roster they just released. Kevin Orlman will back up Mike Poulin uh, in Georgia. A couple of teams we haven't talked about yet. Rochester, pretty quiet out of Nighthawk camp. I don't expect a whole lot of changes there. And Toronto, um, we've touched on that with Jamie Dow quite a bit. They're going to be a younger, faster, kind of more entertaining. Uh, quick shout-out to Charlie Hustle, Sandy Chapman, who announced his retirement uh, about a week ago, just after we released the last uh, Lacrosse Classified. What? a career for one Sandy Chapman, Evan, uh, maybe one of the biggest underrated, not the biggest in stature. He's one of the smallest NLL players to ever get after it, but what a career he had. And maybe one of the biggest underrated players in national cross league history, Sandy Chapman has done it all uh, and won it all as a lacrosse player. Yeah. And those are those guys that you need to grind it out. Uh, you know, they're not going to be your, highlight all-star players most of the time and you're sad when you lose them at the end of the day because those are the guys that are that glue that hold that team together at the end of the day absolutely evan schemenauer as uh let's get to our first guest and we can talk about the upcoming season because it is game week here in the national lacrosse league and the philadelphia wings and buffalo bandits Renew their rivalry that goes back about 30-so years. Kyle Matisse, the moose of the Philadelphia Wings, comes up next year in Lacrosse Classified right after this message from our sponsor. Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on Lax All-Stars, the podcast network growing the game one podcast at a time. Big thanks to our friends at Pure Vital Labs. Anything else would be unsportsmanlike. You can find them online at pvl.com or our social media at Pure Vita Labs. It's Jake Elliott at 7 Sheminauer, now joined by the man they call the Moose. He plays for the Philadelphia Wings. He could be the potential captain 
of the Philly Wings. We haven't found that out yet. Maybe we'll ask him right now. Kyle Matisse joining the program. Mouse, welcome to the show. Hey, Jumbo. How's it going? It's going well, my friend. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, how did how did camp go this uh, past weekend? Oh, it's been great. Honestly, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, with the uh, CBA negotiations uh, taking a little longer than, uh, than expected, um, and kind of a shortened camp, which is the two weeks, um, and with uh, being a part of a new expansion team, it's, uh, you know, a lot to cover in two weeks. That's that's um, that's a, that's a good thing for an old grizzled vet like yourself now, though, right, Kyle? Yeah, I think I, you know, I think I personally have a little bit of an edge with uh, you know ten years in the league and seven years now. But uh, you know, for some of these young guys trying to come in and crack a spot, you know, it's uh, something that uh, you know they got to do it in a very short time frame in, in two weeks. So it's you know, from a standpoint of you know listening and learning. Um, it's very important to do so immediately, right? There's no no real time for error. There's you, you know you don't have uh, a chance to make a mistake or two. If you if you do make one, you know you better correct it uh, immediately, right? So I think uh, as a group, though, we've we've done a good job uh, covering majority of the topics in two weeks and uh, coming together and really uh, gelling as a group. And uh, I'm excited for the season. You have uh, a roster where you have. You may have four Americans making the cut, uh, probably the most of any team in the league, and some of them really with very little box experience. How did those guys do at camp? How did they mesh in, uh, and you know, how did they adapt to the box game? You know, I, I uh, you know, I'm, I was personally pleasantly surprised with, uh, you know, not only our young Americans that uh, that cracked the roster, but also, you know, just our young team in general that uh, everyone really kind of gelled together and, and uh, you know, we presented a united front as a group and, you know, the two scrimmages I thought were, uh, you know, great indicators of this. I thought, uh, you know, five on five defense uh, with some of the American guys was, uh, was fantastic. The way, you know, they, they opened up into the middle of the floor, the way they slid, helped their teammates. Um, you know, it was some really exciting stuff and just, just smart lacrosse players and you know, Matt Rambo from uh, on the offense end and kind of the end that I, I see more of um, did a great job adapting. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, known for his, his gritty uh, gritty play in the outdoor game. And, uh, you know, he wasn't afraid to drive the net and make plays. And, you know, I think, um, you know, American guys as a whole adapting the game for the first time, it'll take them a couple of weeks. But, you know, I personally was pleasantly surprised. And I know our coaching staff uh, feels very confident uh, young Americans that have, have made the squad so far. I should probably correct myself because Evan and I were kind of looking at the rosters and scanning everybody's team as they were releasing information. And I said, originally I said you guys only signed offense, or five offensive players. Evan corrected me that it was six. And then I said, well, okay, well, six. But more concerning is that there's only two lefties. And then you start talking about Matt Rambo, and I start picturing him playing lacrosse for Maryland, and the guy's a lefty. Am I, am I, I'm not crazy, right? <laughs> Matt Ramble is definitely a left-handed player. Okay, I didn't. Th- <laughs> I didn't think Paul Day would be that crazy to only sign two left-handed players. So I probably should have checked myself a little bit there. So on the left side, Chris Cluche, the second overall pick, Matt Rambo, and then you got the veteran over there, Jordan Hall, on the left side, and then you got you Hickey and Courier over on the right side. Is that right? That's right, and I know uh, early on we've. We've kind of had, uh, you know, Blaze Reardon and, and Von Harris step up. Blaze, sure. uh, 
you know, hurt himself a little bit in Buffalo and, and, and took a bit of the weekend off and, uh, you know, just to, to kind of rehab and, and Vaughn's, uh, played up in the mix and played mostly, most of the offense for us right now, but, you know, he's kind of a jack of all trades player. So, so really, realistically, I, you know, I think we got eight, eight offensive players and, you know, as things, uh, kind of line up and how the year shakes itself, uh, out, it, I'm sure there'll be, uh, you know, a bunch of guys that, may have to uh, switch roles and adapt their game a little bit to, to kind of what our team needs. And I think we had a, a, a team full of players that put the team first, uh, you know, above themselves and, and do whatever, you know, the Philadelphia wins needs of them. So, um, you know, it says six on paper. It could be eight, but, uh, you know, it really is, uh, you know, so far a, a great uh, great team environment and, and guys are really stepping up. Yeah, I mean, that's becoming a huge part of the National Lacrosse League, isn't it, Kyle? That the more things you can do as a player, the more effective you're going to be and, and the bigger asset that you're going to be to your team. So if you are a guy like Vaughn Harris who can also take some face-offs, play some D, run in transition, he's got an excellent outside shot, He's really a versatile guy, and we started to see teams try and find those type of players more and more over the last couple of years. Yes, totally. I, I think, uh, you know, I would say that everyone has a bit of a cyclical career, uh, and, and what I mean by that is it's very similar to what, you know, you explained, right? I, you look at so many of these guys in the league, um, so many of the offensive guys anyways, that, have, you know, started their careers as, as defenders or transition players. You know, I, I like to think that, uh, you know, I played the better part of a year on defense, my second year in the league. I know Jordan Hall has done it for, you know, uh, a couple of years as well. And, you know, those are just uh, the two guys that kind of stand out in my mind. But very rarely does a player play their whole career in one position. And, and if they do, they're usually a standout from start to finish, right? So, um, you know, I think I think the league's becoming more and more, um, you know, the term I like to use is a by-committee um, so, you know, you're a by-committee offense. You know, some guys may have a, have a knack to put the ball in the net better than others. But realistically, if you can pick for your teammates, you can shoot, you can carry the ball, um, you can make good, clear passes, and you're a smart player then and, and a very well-rounded player, um, you're generally going to have success, right? And I think the separation from, you know, uh, a guy that may get more points than then the next guy beside him is, is just the, the kind of that killer instinct to put the ball in the net. Right. So, um, you know, speaking offensively anyways, and I think that, uh, yeah, if you can do, if you can do a little bit of everything and you can be versatile, you're going to have uh, a better chance to have a long career in the NLL. You had the luxury the last couple of years of, uh, playing with an well-oiled machine in Georgia, the likes of the Thompson's Shane Jackson, what do you think your biggest difference is adjusting to playing with uh, a side with Courier and Hickey uh, alongside you? Yeah, you know what? I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's funny. We talked about it in week one a lot, right? And um, they're both, uh, you know, relaxed minds. And, you know, we're, t- we're having to talk through things a little bit more than, than maybe, you know, I've had to do in the past. But, you know, I think it's good to, to start fresh and to, to work with new minds in the game because, I think personally that, that grows your own game, but, uh, you know, we were, we were kind of joking about it in week one, right. Um, just about like, Hey, this is the first time I've literally passed a lacrosse ball to you. Right. So, um, you know, we, we haven't maybe put up uh, the results we wanted to, um, in the first two weekends in our scrimmage, 
But I think, you know, we're finding the right space on the floor. We're working together. We're talking through things. Um, and when you, when you start with those simple principles um, and you make that your baseline uh, in order to continue to grow, I think that, that that's, uh, you know, something really exciting. And, and those two guys, uh, you know, they're very different players. And, you know, what I do, you know, Hickey's kind of known for his big cannon of a shot. And, um, you know, Josh is a very agile player, very quick. Um, you know, and I, I like to think that, you know, I'm a guy that kind of frees space up for others. So I think we got to work well together. And it's just, it's just more about uh, right now for us is, you know, there's no pressure uh, right now to produce. It's, it's more about uh, trusting the process, which is a Philadelphia 76ers line. Um, but, but really believing in that and, and good things will come. Speaking with Philadelphia Wings forward Kyle Matisse, uh, I want you to talk quickly about, uh, well, you don't have to do it too quickly here, Kyle, but I want you to talk about your two young goaltenders and David DeRuccio and Buck. And, um, you know, the fish, he's got a little bit of NLL experience, not a lot with the Bandits. Uh, a good season for Buck and coming out of Peterborough, but has never really faced NLL caliber shooters. What have you seen out of these two guys uh, through training camp so far? You know what? They're they're both very similar. They're you know they're they're kind of that traditional mindset, uh, bigger goalie, um, ball stopper. You know, real good on angles. Um, you know, from the outside shots, and uh, you know, I've been impressed with both of them. I think they're uh, you know I would say they're both kind of competing for that uh, number one starting spot, and um, you know I'll, I'll be interested to see what the, what our coaching staff uh, decides kind of come game one, but. I'm sure that'll be uh, in the weekly notes as we uh, as we move forward and prepare for Buffalo in Week One. But um, honestly, I've, I've been really impressed with uh, with both of them being young. And uh, as you guys both know, you know it's something that uh, in this league with the bigger nets, you know, not using a wooden goalie stick, um, you know, some of the best goalies in the world have had you know five six years under their belts as backups before they become the number one goaltender in the world. Yeah. Right. So absolutely. Both, both these guys have to have to uh, kind of jump in, and um, we'll see how the how the year uh, shakes out and how the first couple of weeks work. But I've been personally impressed, um, you know, with them uh, backstopping us in as uh, Philadelphia Wings. But I, you know, I've also been impressed with you know our young defense and, and five on five situations. We've uh, we've done a really good job uh, as a unit back there for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, speaking with Kyle Matisse here at Philadelphia, and in the opening game of the season, you guys get the stage, a rivalry that dates back 30-plus uh, years between the Buffalo Bandits and Philadelphia Wings. A lot of hatred uh, between those two teams over the years. Um, you've been in Philadelphia for a while now. The The start of the season just days away. What What's the buzz around uh, the city of brotherly love for Philadelphia Wings lacrosse to be back? Yeah, I've had, uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, getting to see the city a couple times now, actually before training camp. Uh, and I know the, uh, the younger guys have, have started to move and, and flock to market, if you will, um, to kind of set up shop for the year. Um, but, but it's been really exciting. Honestly, we've been welcomed with, with opened arms and, uh, you know, we were wearing our Philadelphia, you know, t-shirts and golf shirts and stuff like that around, uh, town. We were, we were there and, uh, you know, people were noticing us asking us questions. Hey, you guys are back. Like, congrats. That's, we're ready. We're ready. We're here for you. And we're, uh, we want to support you to the best of our ability. And I, 
And uh, someone was actually said by uh, Braden Hill um, yesterday when we were talking about, um, you know, some of the key components where we want to, you know, drive our culture. And, and, and Philadelphia is a big sports market. And, you know, they're very community-based um, where, you know, if you're having success uh, and you're playing hard for your city, the fans are going to get behind you and, and support you uh, without any doubt. Um, and I think that's kind of the culture that, you know, we want to set is that, Hey, we're going to be physical. We're going to play hard. We're not going to take any, any shift off. Uh, we're going to be kind of a gritty hard nosed team that, uh, you know, that's, that's going out there to win every single night. And I think the Philadelphia fans are going to get behind that. Well, I I know uh, they, they love their, their kicker there for the Eagles, Kyle. Uh, he's taking Philadelphia by storm. That guy. I'm I'm referencing yeah, it, a guy with the same la- or same complete name as mine. In case you're wondering where where I'm going with that, his name is Jake Elliott. His name is Jake Elliott. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Hey, hey, you're always welcome. You're always welcome to get to Philly if you like. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, if I can if I can sneak into the to the arena, just be like, hey, I'm Jake Elliott. Here's my ID, and and they let me through all the bad. There you go. You signed a four year deal in Philly. Uh, very unusual in the NLL to even have a four-year deal, let alone with an expansion team where the future is really kind of unknown. Uh, you must really believe in the future of this team if you're willing to commit for that length of a time. Yeah, I do. I I, uh, I think that, uh, you know, if I, if I look back on kind of my, uh, honestly, my life as a lacrosse player, I, I like to consider myself a, a bit of a builder. Uh, and, you know, just to provide a little bit of dialogue around that, um, you know, when I was first in junior, um, the Burlington Chiefs, my first year as a 16 year old were all in 16, um, you know, and then myself and a bunch of other 17 year olds went to the team the next year and kind of turned that program around. And, you know, unfortunately we never won a, a mental cup, but, um, you know, we were second in the second and third in the league every single year competing for, for that chance that, uh, you know, getting close to the Ontario finals and competing for, for Minto and, you know, the Burlington Chiefs of today are finished first in uh, the league this year and, um, you know, lost in the first round, but, you know, it's kind of become uh, over the last 10 years, a bit of a, you know, a successful franchise. And, and I, and I look to, you know, my time at Robert Morris um, and the same sort of thing happened, new program, uh, guys like Andrew Watt uh, started the program and, you know, didn't necessarily have success and kind of brought another group in um, with myself and Kyle Buchanan and Kevin Brownell, also in the NLL now, and, and, and turned that around. Uh, and kind of the same thing that happened uh, recently in Georgia. When, when we first got there, it was not kind of the the uh, the success it was. And obviously now, you guys mentioned, it's a little bit of a well-oiled machine, so... Uh, I pride myself anyways, and that's a bit of a long-winded response, but pride myself in, in being a builder. Um, and I feel like we have all the right pieces, you know, it does, it, it feels, it feels right when you got coaches like Paul Day, Tracy Kaluski and Ian Rubel, um, you know, and, and as you see the expansion draft and all these guys uh, come through the mix, it just, it continued to feel right. And the guys we were picking up that were, free agents and, and draft picks. It, it just really feels like a great uh, organization to be a part of. And, 
I, uh, when they offered that deal to me, it was uh, something I just couldn't turn down. It felt right. So what would be a successful year in your mind with Philadelphia this year? You said you don't have the pressure or anything, but what would you deem a success for year one? You know, uh, Dylan Evan, Evan said this uh, great yesterday. I'm going to completely steal shamelessly from him, but, uh, you know, he's been a part of a, a couple of uh, championships within, uh, in Rochester. And he said, you know, what you, you, you kind of set your sights on getting to the playoffs, man, anything can happen. Um, and he was a part of three, three NLL championships where they were, you know, eight and eight, eight and eight, seven and nine. And, you know, ended up winning the championship all three years in Rochester. And, uh, I think that that's kind of where we want to be. We, obviously it's, uh, you know, everyone wants to, to win a championship. So that's, you know, the goal for every single team in this league. And that's no different for us. We want to win a, a championship. Uh, and we just got to, you know, one week after the next, we got to set our sights on each team and, and, and focus on getting into the playoffs and, and then, uh, and then anything ha- can happen. And hopefully we, uh, come away with, with winning a championship. Well, it all starts this weekend, Kyle Matisse, against the Buffalo Bandits at home in Philadelphia. I can't wait to see the crowd there. The the jerseys come out onto the turf for, for lacrosse to be back in Philadelphia is just fantastic. And uh, I know you're going to be a big part of it. I wish you the best of luck. And uh, let's catch up soon here on Lacrosse Classified, man. Awesome. I love it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Uh, Kyle Matisse of the Philadelphia Wings. We'll see, Evan, who they slap the C on there in Philadelphia. My kind of view is they should put it on Kyle because he just signed that four-year deal. He's going to be there for a while. You got Jordan Hall there, who's obviously a bona fide leader and has been around this league a long time and I think would be an excellent choice for a captain. But... When you're putting the C on somebody, I kind of think you want to think long-term a little bit, and I don't know if Jordan Hall falls into that category. I think Kyle Matisse does. Yeah, Jordan Hall has one year left on his contract, and he's a free agent, so you never really know what his uh, future is. But, yeah, absolutely. If you're going to make a four-year commitment to Matisse, he's obviously your guy, and I would have to imagine he's going to be the captain. If he's not, he's certainly in the system. Um, we but, shall find uh, out. You know, we shall find out. Uh, quick break coming here on Lacrosse Classified. On the other side, we have the head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks, good friend of the show, Kurt Malowski, coming up next right here on Lacrosse Classified on Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on Lax All-Stars. Big thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. Fans, you know what they do? They create first impressions for all your labels and packaging needs. Visit them at associated-labels.com, or you can find them via social media at Associated LP, as in labels and packaging. We now have the head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks on the podcast, Kurt Malowski, joining us. Kurt, thanks for doing this. Anytime, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us. Uh, well, why don't we start with the exhibition game at South Tell Center last Saturday. It was 
I don't want to say a convincing win for Saskatchewan, but I will say it was a convincing win for Saskatchewan. 17-11, the final there. And uh, just checking your post-game comments. Um, some things you were happy with, some things you weren't so happy with. Maybe you can enlighten us uh, on things that you liked and what you didn't like. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say we got it handed to us. Um, you know, we were, we were right there at the half. It was 6-5. They got one late, go up by one. We are in pretty good shape. Um, and then uh, we always know Saskatchewan puts a big push on to start the third quarter, and they come at you and they press off the bench, and you know they try to they try to turn a one goal lead into a three goal lead, and uh, we ended up get, it was sitting at around eight seven, and we took a four minute penalty, and before you know it, their power play put a couple in, and it was ten seven, and pretty much that was all she wrote, and uh, you know I think we had discipline, problems. I think the guys were excited, and you know it's training camp for the referees as well, so you know I think Saskatchewan was on the power play eight or nine times. So, um, you know, and we didn't stop too many of them. They got a pretty lethal power play, as we know from last year, well into 60% range. So um, the discipline factor wasn't great, and uh, I think that cost us. And, you know, we had some uncostly turnovers. And our possession game wasn't where we needed to be. And, uh, you know, thus the 17-11 shellacking. Christian Del Bianco had an off night, probably a good night to have an off night when you're in an exhibition game. You know, a few funny bounces that uh, went the rush's way there. But you've got a goaltender in Christian that, um, how can I put it, he's unorthodox in the fact that he's a smaller guy. He's certainly an athlete, most athletic goaltender in the league by a mile. He beats most of his defensive teammates to the bench. And he's also got a stick that can hit a guy at the far restraining line with pinpoint accuracy. Do you have to change your game when you have a goaltender like Christian in the net? Well, I'll say, I'll say one thing. You know, I focus it, and I don't worry is the right word, but you know, I spend time on a lot of things, and it ain't Christian Del Bianco. I'll tell you that much. I don't worry about him one bit. He's uh, he, he's he's he checks all the boxes in my mind, and and we and he just does his thing. And you know, him and I have a great relationship on and off the floor. Uh, we you know, when he first took over the net last year, we learned a lot from each other of of how he likes to play in games and how how both of us you know like to communicate to each other during the game. So. I think last year was an aha moment, and from now on in, I don't worry anything about him. He just plays his game, and um, he is. You're correct. He's done a job. You know, I think our transition's been outstanding throughout throughout the last year, and and uh, and, and just you know, we had some good looks last last game, and he's he gets the ball up real quick, and uh, it does it does put the teams on their offenses on their toes where they have to know where and when to shoot the ball from. Because you know he's going to grab everything around his crease and push it up pretty pretty fast. So um, Christian Del Bianco, uh, it might not have been his best, but I don't. You know he's got to get through a lot of guys to get to him. And uh, like I said earlier, I don't worry about him one bit. We'll get into Curtis Dixon and Westberg here momentarily, Kurt. So maybe prepare yourself for that question as we speak with the head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks. Um, but I did see you had some glowing words for one of your draft picks and Eli Salama and a guy that I had a chance to watch very closely throughout the summer and through his junior career with the Adnax as well. Uh, pretty impressed with Eli and, and what kind of player do you think you got in him? I think he's your prototypical NLL player. He's, he's big, he's athletic, he, he's got a, he's a, he's a phenomenal shape. There's no body fat on him and he's long. He covers a lot of space, very good at anticipating. Um, I think he could cross-check a little bit more, and that was brought forward to him in camp, and I, and I think that's why I got the uh, you know the raving uh, review at the game because he, he lived off the cross-check. as something that we push here in Calgary pretty heavily, and throughout my junior career that we like to do that. And he, uh, 
he played very well, and, and uh, you know, I've been watching him. I thought he, he was really good in that Minto Cup against Orangeville and Langley, and I've been watching him ever since, just waiting for him to come out. So um, he's been he, he was solid in the game, and he's, he's got a lot of upside. And great kid, doesn't say too much, just goes about his business and does his job and fits in really well in the room. So I, I think we got a good one there. Now, we've been going through a lot of the rosters as they're coming in live, literally as we're talking. We haven't seen the Roughnecks yet. Are there any new bodies in on the roster or any uh, big-name cuts that uh, we should be aware of? No, I, I don't think. You know, obviously our first-rounder, Shane Simpson, and Reese Cowleys, and, and Eli are our mainstays there, and uh, we signed Carter Dixon to the practice roster. We made a uh, we picked up a um, street-free agent in Chris uh, Bosey. He played in uh, he played in Burlington with Danny McRae and uh, Buffalo. Buffalo released him due to the fact that there were some logistic problems. We're coming to practice on Tuesday night. Two forty goal scorer in the OLA, right-handed old guy. So um, you know we were we liked him, but he was already confirmed in in Buffalo for camp. And so when he when he popped free, we jumped on him. So we're excited to, to see him. We got Sean Terrell on the practice roster. He's a local Calgary guy that fits in well there. And then Bobby Schneider, I thought he had a great camp and. You know, his role is going to be utility guy for when Bertie can't go. That's Tyler Burton, and he's on the practice roster well, so, as well. So we left ourselves another spot in case something else falls out. But um, aside from that, we have our, our typical group from the, from the season before. But those are the, the new faces that the, the fans and, and everyone can uh, get their head, wrap their head around. Maybe another new face that uh, you might want to touch on, a, a kid that I like to call the natural Kermalowski, and that's a guy that you traded for with the Georgia Swarm. You let a local product in Holden Katoni go, but in order to get something good, you got to give up something good. But you get back Jesse King coming the other way, and, and what a dynamic player he is. How is he going to fit in on that left side with uh, Doby and company? Yeah, Jake, I think you nailed it. We, we had to give up something to get something, and, you know, Holding Tony had a great skill set, and he was a great teammate. And you know, he uh, grew a lot under our uh, under our tutelage. And, and you know, given that opportunity to play a little bit more last year, he, he had a great season. So it was tough to let him go. But uh, you know, that being said, we we feel that we picked up a, a floor general on the left side. You know, Dobes is Dobes does a good job for us as a number one left in the past few years. But you know, um, he's he's getting on in age, and we have to we have to look at replacing our number one left. And that's why we brought in Jesse and. You know, we fear, you know, um, Holden was, you know, he's kind of a Brett Hall, so to speak. And we fear, we fear you know, we feel that uh, Jesse King is more of a, an all-around kind of Stevie Y type player that, that, can, uh, that can make everybody around them better, that the ball can go through him, and it's not going to take away from any of the other guys' skill sets. So, you know, we're excited. We've, you know, it was always Wesley Berg and Jesse King always growing up when I watched junior lacrosse in D.C. here. And, you know, to have him there is... Uh, going to be big for us and you know lefties are a premium so you know it took we've been in the works ever since his draft year to try to get him and the opportunities seemed to be there and i thought we had a fair deal with georgia yeah as we speak with kurt malowski and, and it's really been a case where you've kind of flipped this roughneck roster over on the fly like it's it's not i wouldn't say it's been a complete rebuild but it's definitely been a rebuild in calgary of sorts over the last couple of seasons there's been quite a bit of turnover you've gotten a lot younger you've gotten a lot quicker uh but you've kind of done it on the fly will still being competitive as you go which isn't an easy thing to do in the national lacrosse league you mentioned jesse king playing with west or not playing with westberg but those two kind of coming up together and 
here we are just days away from the start of the regular season, Kurt, and, and no Superman and no Iceman. Uh, Curtis Dixon and, and Wes Berg uh, in your lineup on that right side. Uh, can you give us an update on, on where you're at with talks with those guys, and are you any closer to getting them back in the lineup as uh, we move closer to the beginning of the regular season? Um, well, I will I will comment on the on the fact of the of the retooling slash rebuilding, however you want to look at it. We do in Calgary take great pride on that. You know, we did turn over the MVP and Shawnee Evans and and Shats and 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 you know Mickey Pool and so stay competitive and only miss the playoffs one out of the last six years. Um, you know, it's the feather in Mike Board's cap to be able to keep all that stuff together and, and to stay to stay relevant and you know be in the Western Finals and and into the championship, five, you know, uh, out of those, in, in that group of six years. So, um, yeah, it's not easy, but uh, it's uh, it's something that we do take pride in, and we, we spend a lot of time in the rinks and a lot of time trying to make deals behind closed doors. So that is something that, that, that does uh, that does help us going forward in Calgary. But um, as far as Superman and Bergie goes, you know, that Bordy, Bordy deals with that. You know, for most people know my role is basically player personnel and at the draft and the trading for the kind of – fits into my side of the GM things. And um, as far as contracts go, you know, I learned a long time ago when, when I, when I, when I asked uh, Craig Kahn that he was going to get paid, paid not as a 40 goal scorer, but a 14 goal scorer. And that didn't go over very well with our dinner conversation. So ever, ever since then, I don't deal with that, especially conflict of interest being the coach. So um, I'd like to think that the both parties, well, I know for a fact both parties want to play and they both parties want to be a rough track. And I know our organization knows that those guys are key pieces toward the puzzle. And I know their organization wants to book back. So, you know, um, I, I let Mike and, and uh, you know, the boys, uh, Agent Rich Furlong, do their thing. And, uh, you know, hopefully get them back sooner than later. And, you know, I, I've learned over the years with the Minto Cups and, and stuff like that is you really got to focus on what you do have and what you don't have. If you start working out, uh, focus on what you don't have, it's very distracting for the group and the stuff in front of you. And, you know, one of our big mantra sisters is focus on where your feet are. And our feet are with the uh, 21 guys we have at camp right now and moving into the season with. So, you know, I'm, we are, I really hope it gets done. Great kids, great teammates, and big part of our group. And, you know, it, it should be just a matter of time is my thought process. But, you know, Mike and uh, Rich are doing their best. You, you, never had, you never had a 14 goal season in your NLL career, did you, Kurt? Maybe over a couple of games. But, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. No, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. It's different, Jake, when you put on the GM hat and you try to negotiate contracts and then say, hey, I want you to bleed and go to war for me later. After, yeah, after, after you have to try to beat him down. So the two don't go together. And so Mike and I have a great relationship that way. He does all the beating down to guys, and I stick to what I know is the, the, the lacrosse stuff and the personnel stuff. One of the real bright spots on in Saturday's game was uh, Reese Dutch, uh, who you picked up a couple of weeks ago. You know, five goals. He is getting a lot of space, ten point accuracy. Must have been a no brainer when he came out to uh, add him to what was already a loaded righty roster. Yeah, it was. You know, I'm, I you know I'm not talking out of school here. That when, when I do let you guys know, and I, you know, I think what well, Jake likes to hear some of the inside stuff anyway, and fans do. And we had a deal in place for him. Um, you know, we, we were, we were very interested when, when Dan, when Dan mentioned that, uh, he was potentially available, um, he, the question was posed to us in Calgary, were you interested? And he thought he knew the answer, but the answer was, uh, was yes, we were. Um, I, I don't think he expected that. And, uh, we were looking at, at, at trying to do something for Reese, but the salary was an issue 
him, and then uh, we we would we had something in place with Vancouver, and then it just we uh, with the CBA and the way things were, we weren't able to put it to fruition, so we had to kind of pull back and, and wait, see what was going to happen, and uh, turned out that he was free and he wasn't on the market very long, and we uh, once we found out we were able to contact him, um, I phoned him and we had a long conversation. I I think Reese Dutch has a lot left in the tank. Um, I don't, obviously I didn't have a great season last year, but he's healthy this year. He's got, he's pissed off. He's got something to prove. Um, and I, he's going to get every opportunity in Calgary to prove that. I'm a coach that if someone's not playing very well, I'm not going to bury him on the crease of the power play or sit him on the bench. I'm, I'm going to put him at the top of the power play and find something for him. He's going to be a focal point to our offense. And, you know, he had that opportunity last game to prove himself. And, if, you know, provided he stays healthy and he understands that, um, we run a structured offense, and there's there's things that are, that are not negotiable, and uh, it's it's been spelled out to him how we how, what the expectation is for him to play. And that being said, he also understands that we won't be taking away any of his creativity. So I think it was a good fit for both of us, and uh, you know we're excited. Um, I've I've had I've, I've played against Reese, I should say, coached against Reese throughout his junior A career, and and you know we see them three four times a year in Vancouver over the years, and down with down with. Uh, in it whenever so um, when he was out there we couldn't wait to get our hands on him and like i said he stays healthy um follows it follows the systematic rules that we have it's in calgary i don't see an issue and one thing i didn't know about reese pretty funny guy great yeah. teammate and he's very well welcomed in the room yeah i, I mean that's just it kurt like it the guy had a down year last year by his standards and it was still 65 points or whatever it was that he put up and he kind of did that on one wheel and now you get a healthy restatch that's like you just said pissed off and motivated and you get get him for nothing and you're going to play the team that you got him from which you know he's going to go balls out for four times in one year that's a nice little piece to pick up for for absolutely nothing yeah, we we were really excited. Like we were we, we were close with a deal with Dan and I, and I, we both had great dialogue. And you know, um, to see him pop onto the market like that, it didn't it didn't last long. And you know, we we appreciate Reese putting his faith, faith in us. We had a conversation where he'd be where he'd be played, what he'd be doing, and uh, he uh, you know he was happy that with the fit that we have. And you know, we got a, got a good young pieces. And anytime you can you can add a perennial all star like that into your lineup and. You know, it's, it gives us another weapon, another another shot on the floor, another guy that they got to focus on. And you know, I was I was an older athlete at one point playing in the NFL, and one thing I did I learned from Troy Cordingly, he's he didn't push his older guys that hard. You know, it's you know obviously you had to do your work away from the game, but you came to practice, you didn't have to fight the blood and the beer, so to speak, all the time. And you know, he made sure we were ready for our games. And that's something I think out of his coach's book. So I told Reese, you know, you're not going to get yelled and screamed at. You know, I had Shawnee Evans for a lot of years, and then Shawnee worked smart. Didn't have to always work hard at practice, but he had to work smart and punch a clock and get through that stuff. And I mentioned that to Reese, and he said, "You know what, most I appreciate that, but I'm not that type of guy. I expect to go hard." And you know, what where I'm going with it, I, we're, between the two of us, we're going to give him every opportunity. I expect him to do so. How difficult was it to finalize a roster this year? And you only got two weeks to do it, and obviously a lot of young guys to work your way through. And I guess. Is the team going to be ready after just two weeks to hit the floor? Uh, you know what? It'll be like everybody else. You know, we're not going to make any excuses. Everyone had a short camp. Everyone's got uh, got to make their decisions real fast. You know, it's it's one part of the job that that, that I that I think is very difficult is is cutting guys. It, 
the pro level and you know it's tough at the junior level and even with even with the kids it rips your heart out no matter if it's a business or not there's the human side of things and you know guys will, will give it everything they got and you know it's never from a lack of effort um, obviously you know it's a tough league to break into i've always said for years it's it's easy to say you know who should make it everyone should make it it's just it's just the little intangibles and little things that you that you need on your team that that maybe the guy doesn't quite bring and you know what no one professes to be right all the time. Like maybe we make mistakes when we end up releasing guys, but it's part of the business. It's tough. It sucks. It sucks for the player. It sucks for me as a coach to make those those small calls. And but you know you try to give them some constructive criticism and some feedback. And with the expansion and the way the direction our league's going, hopefully guys fall back on their feet. So are we going to be ready? Uh, we're going to be we're going to be as prepared as we can, um, just like everybody else. And it's. Uh, We'll, we'll see, but, you know, for us in Calgary, our match has always been that, uh, you know, we're going to get better every practice, every game, and, and try peaking by the end of the end of the playoff push and into the playoffs. It's kind of how we kind of how we do it. And, um, is there pressure to have home playoff games? Yeah, absolutely. Is there pressure to get a good start out of the gate? Absolutely. We've battled through the 0-6 seasons, and it's actually it's crappy. It sucks to go to the rink and chase your tail all over the place. So uh, we're hoping to get a good start, but, uh, you know, we end up we end up in those Western Finals in the playoffs at the end of the year. Then you know that's that's okay with us. What do the Roughnecks need to do differently this year, though, to finally get past the rush in the West? Well, I'd be lying to you if I say our sights aren't on them, and, and you know the baby puts up some dressing room uh, fodder for other other teams. You know, you really don't know what you got early in the season, and you know they're in a class of their own, man. We're all looking up at them. I don't think things have changed. We're you know they're the cream of the crop. They're the champs until someone knocks them off, and we focus. We really do focus on what we have. It's, it's cliche-ish, but it's something that's one of my coaching principles: is we focus on what we have. We don't focus on what the rush have, but we go to play them. You know, we'll be prepared for them and have a game plan. Uh, we like the changes that we made. Um, whether they come to fruition from the paper to the floor is something that the coaches and the, and the team has to kind of, you know, storm and perform and stuff like that. So, you know. For us, we, we, we can't focus on them. It's going to be Vancouver. Um, they are the benchmark. They're the litmus test. When you play them, you, you find out where you are. You know, obviously, on Saturday night, we're not there yet. So, you know, that's something for us to go back to the drawing board and, and try to add to uh, some of the things that we did because, you know, names on paper don't mean nothing unless you can put it onto the floor. So we're going to take the names that we have on paper this week and prepare hard for Friday, for Friday night's practice and be ready for Saturday night is all I can really say. Kurt, uh, we appreciate your time and being uh, candid as always. Uh, best of luck with the upcoming season. You got Vancouver out of the gate back to back. So uh, best of luck. We'll be watching the Roughnecks, and I'm sure we'll check in uh, sooner than later here on Lacrosse Classified. Look forward to it, buddy. Keep up the good work, man. I always send you the text. I need a good work. Now I got an opportunity to say it, man. You do a hell of a job. You do a hell of a job for the stuff last year. You do a hell of a job for our game, man. So. People shouldn't forget that, guys. So keep up the good work, Jake, man. We really appreciate it around the league. It goes a long way. I appreciate that a lot, Kurt. It uh, means a lot to hear that from you. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. Kurt Malowski, the head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks. One more quick break to come here on Lacrosse Classified, then we'll wrap this puppy up in a little bow, if you will, since we're around Christmas time here, as the National Lacrosse season just days away now, one more break, and we're back to finish it off here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. 
Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom design apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. A couple more minutes here with Jake Elliott, Evan Scheminauer with you. Uh, big thanks once again to Extreme Threads, our title sponsor here at Lacrosse Classified. Fans, extremethreads.ca. Go check out their website, and then when your team signs up for an apparel package, so you get the bags, the gear, the jackets, the jerseys, all that sort of stuff, if you sign up your team for an apparel package, your coach, your manager, they get their package for free. I All you got to do is mention my name, and you get free stuff. That's how it works here on Lacrosse Classified. Big thanks to Extreme Threads. Customize your team with Extreme Evan, uh, I know you got the Random Thoughts blog coming out uh, in anticipation of that. Uh, I think you have some predictions. So fans that may have not read Random Thoughts before, but do listen to Lacrosse Classified, make sure you check out Evan's blog each week on Lacrosse All-Stars. But maybe you can give the fans a little test. I know you got your predictions for the upcoming season. Myself, personally, I hate making predictions, so I'm not going to do it, but I'll let you hang yourself out there, Evan, and, and let the fans know what your predictions are for the upcoming season. Oh, and I guarantee by the end of the season, some teams are going to be like, I told you so, and that's perfectly fine if they manage to do that. West is... Uh, pretty simple for the most part the rush i don't think anybody really uh has improved enough yet to knock those guys off even though there's a few holes in defense uh you know the way that that power play performed on saturday night they're gonna rip a lot of teams apart two and three i could debate back and forth i got the mammoth at second over the roughnecks third Mm. and really in that case it's a case of the two goaltenders being equal calgary having a bit better Offense, but I just like the cohesiveness of the Mammoth defense a little better mm-hmm. uh, than than the Roughnecks, uh, who will struggle a little bit defensively. I am going to put San Diego at number four. I just like the youth there. As long as they can gel, they'll be fine. I got Vancouver dead last. Simple reason. I don't think they've really made enough improvements to get that much further ahead than where they were last year. The East it might be a boring pick because it seems like everybody's taking them in the Buffalo Band that's winning that uh, East. you got to remember, those five teams were all in a situation last year yeah. where coming into the last week of the season, nobody's in the playoffs, yeah. nobody's out. I'd forgotten all so. about that. That like, I mean, last year's season in the East was absolutely bonkers with the amount of scenarios and playoff picture like it was it, like it had to come down to the final day to figure it all out. I forgot I'd forgotten all about that. I remember you were on uh, doing the self game against Calgary that night, and you're texting back and forth with me, and I had to literally give you about forty texts to get all the playoff <laughs> scenarios through. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so Buffalo number one. Let's go quickly here. Who you got coming in behind them? Uh, Georgia is still going to be a very hot team in the East. Number three and four, you could go back and forth with. I'm going to take Rochester third. They lost a couple of key components, but they're still going to be a very good team. I'm going to take Toronto, unfortunately, fourth. Somebody's got to be out, and I don't know if Toronto is just quite there yet. They will be in a couple of years, not yet. Number five, New England. 
Uh, and unfortunately, this is New England situation where it's kind of win now or never. They got a lot of aged veterans and very few draft picks. And I think the Philadelphia Wings, unfortunately, are going to finish in the basement. They just, they're in a division that is so tough right now for them to get ahead of those teams. It will take a heck of an effort. It's possible, but it'll take a heck of an effort. All right. You heard it right there. Evan Sheminar with his predictions. If you want to shoot the messenger, Evan is the messenger. I'm just an innocent <laughs> bystander in all of that. Uh, we're past an hour here, Evan. we got to get out. I want to thank our sponsors once again, Extreme Threads, Associated Labels and Packaging, and Pure Vita Labs for sponsoring the show. For our guests, Kyle Matisse and Kurt Malowski for coming on the show. For you, the listener, for listening to the show. And now it's time to get out. For Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, thanks for listening to Lacrosse Classified, and we'll talk to you next week.